Welcome to the new Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Two Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Audrey Baria and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Audrey Baria. Well, welcome to Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron, delighted to be here along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Baria. Dr. Baria is Associate Medical Director for the WellMed Medical Management Team. She's been part of WellMed's family for nearly six years, and currently provider at the WellMed at Ninth Avenue North Clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida. Dr. Baria attended Ross University School of Medicine in Portsmouth, Dominica. She earned her medical degree there, completed her residency and an OBGYN fellowship at St. Mary Hospital in Hoboken, and Dr. Bari is board certified in family medicine, which she loves. She's married, has a two teenage, has a teenage daughter, and a bunch of dogs hanging out in her house. So, Dr. Bari, tell us about your dogs. Oh, they are my perpetual toddlers. I have a golden retriever who's five, uh, who I call very lovingly the mayor or sheriff of whatever place he goes to visit. So, especially the groomers. He's greeting everyone and playing with everyone. And then I have a three-year-old yellow lab who is scared of his own shadow. So um, they're a perfect pair. Well, that's right. Those two breeds get along well. And of course, there's no fur running around the floors of your house. No, not at all. It's spick and span all the time. (laughs) Well, we've got an interesting topic today. And I mentioned to you off the air uh, that while people may think this is only a guy topic, The fact is women play an incredibly important role in getting men to the doctor. And we're going to be talking about benign prostatic hypoplasia in men. Dr. Francisco Solis is joining us. He's with Optum in Little Havana in Miami. Dr. Solis is a physician there. He earned his medical degree from New York University Institute of Technology College of Osteopathic Medicine in Old Westbury, New York completed his residency at St. Barnabas Hospital in the Bronx. Dr. Solis is board certified in family medicine, and he grew up in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And Dr. Uh, Solis, it's great to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So how does somebody get from Elizabeth, New Jersey to Little Havana? So Little Havana, yeah, well, it's it's pretty easy. Well, I actually finished my residency here in Miami. And the idea was to go back to New Jersey, but I met my wife and uh, now I'm here in Miami. Now I have a five-year-old and uh, also like Dr. Abraria, I have two dogs, uh, two pit bulls. Uh, One is seven and one is about one. They're both uh, rescue dogs, so we don't know exactly the age. So we're assuming they're around that age. Well, good for you. Pits make great pets. I used to run the Animal Defense League here in uh, San Antonio, Texas, and Got to know pit bulls very well. They're awesome. wonderful dogs, and they unfortunately, they're mischaracterized by a right. whole lot of folks. Yes, yes, they really are. But they are wonderful dogs, great guard dogs, great family dogs. They, they, um, I think they're more scared of my five-year-old than my five-year-old scared of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to us a little bit about benign prostatic hyperplasia in men. What does it mean, and who's at risk, and why is it a problem? Right. So that, that's a good question, Ron. So 
um, benign prostatic hyperplasia, mostly known as BPH. Um, you touched a really good subject, uh, which you want to. Uh, I can also talk about. It's a. Uh, it's not only for men. So, it is a male um, diagnosis. Um, things you want to look at, or things you want to look out for, as far as men um, over the age of fifty, because this can you know start very early in times. Is you want to see uh, symptoms. So symptoms you want to um, look out for are frequency of urination. Uh, one big one that we always ask for is nocturia. And what that means is how many times you get up at night uh, to urinate. What's normal? Um, yes. So normal would be like one to two times. It also depends on how much water you drink, if you're drinking before you're um, going to sleep. Um, now, if you're getting up four to five times, then, you know, you got to worry. If you're losing sleep because you're getting up at night and you know, it is multiple times at night and it's starting to bother you and it's affecting your daily living, you definitely want to go see your doctor. Um, also weak streams. Um, so most of the time, the reason you're going, you're getting up at night multiple times because you're not releasing the proper amount of urine. So you're, you're getting up, you're urinating, you know, small amounts, you're going back to sleep, and you're getting that sensation over and over. So you're not emptying your bladder? Exactly. And the reason is because if the prostate is uh, swollen or inflamed, which is what hyperplasia means, it's blocking the urethra, which is the canal that allows you to release the urine. So what do so you do about it? So that's when what you do about it is why we're here. You want to go see your primary doctor. So you want to go see your doctor, make sure he does you know, some urinary tests. One of the main ones that we do is the PSA test, also the DRE, which is the um, digital rectal exam to see if the prostate is swollen. Um, based on those tests, we also do a urine culture, make sure it's not a urinary tract infection, and then we'll go from there. If you have an elevated PSA, most likely we're either going to start medication or refer you to a urologist for further right, evaluation. Hold that thought. I'm going to come right back to you, but yes. I want to remind folks who may have just joined us. You're listening to Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We want to wish a warm welcome to the newest Texas clinics to join the growing WellMed family. WellMed at Corsicana in Corsicana, Texas. WellMed at Victoria Station in Victoria, Texas. And WellMed at Citizens Plaza in Victoria, Texas. Dr. Daniel Metzger, Dr. Vahi Dayan, and family nurse practitioner Lori Visick serve patients at WellMed at Corsicana. Dr. Omez Verma and nurse practitioner Kurt Killebrew serve patients at WellMed at Victoria Station. And Dr. Kishan Chan and he and his staff serve patients at WellMed at Citizens Plaza. They join WellMed's network of more than 16,000 doctors, offices in Texas and Florida. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barry, and we're talking on our Two Docs in a Pod hotline down in Little Havana, Florida, with Dr. Francisco Solis talking about benign prostatic hyperplasia in men. I, I want to come back to something that you said, uh, Dr. Solis, of uh, that PSA test. It's my understanding that it can give false positives. Yes. So very true. So it can give uh, false positives. So you don't go strictly by your PSA. You're going by the PSA. You also want to do serial testing, meaning not just one PSA. You want to, you know, repeat the test maybe in a few weeks, in a few months, just to make sure that the levels are not increasing. You also want to do 
um, what I mentioned before, which is what men always um, do not like, which is the DRE, the uh, rectal exam, because with the rectal exam, you can feel if the prostate is enlarged, if it's hardened, and then we, we take the proper steps which would be either uh, going to the urologist or starting medication as well. Now, what would be a, a, a normal PSA? There's so many numbers we need to know. We need to know our cholesterol. We need to know our blood pressure. We need to know our, our heart rate. And, and what about a PSA? What's a good number? Right. So a good number, uh, which I always explain to my patients, it's under four. So you want it under 4.0, which is what uh, the recommendations are. But what I also look for if I do... Uh, a PSA, it's also if it starts increasing. So if it's a low number, most of the time it's going to be very low, 0. Point something, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.8. And if you're having symptoms and I notice the numbers are going up, then I'm definitely going to take a better, uh, go into more exams. And Dr. Barry, do you regularly uh, do a PSA on your male patients? No, I actually follow the U.S. Preventive Task Force guidelines and make sure that if they're symptomatic, of course, that's a no-brainer. However, it's not part of our routine screening. Uh, and could you have uh, hyperplasia, uh, Dr. Solis, and, and not be symptomatic? Yes. Um, there are cases where you can have uh, the BPH and not be symptomatic and also have normal PSA levels. So that's why uh, what uh, Dr. Barria actually touched upon is you don't do a PSA unless there's symptoms. And that's how I... Um, deal with my patients. So whenever they ask, all men always want a PSA when they come in. So I always discuss with them, you know, the uh, guidelines are, it's not a preventive test. It's a test that you do if you have, if you're symptomatic. And I always run through the symptoms that you want to look for uh, to get a PSA. And it's my understanding, and I'm practicing medicine here with not only without a license, but with no knowledge <laughs> that uh, the guidelines on when a digital rectal exam should be done have changed, that it's not an automatic uh, test that uh, as you get older, since many prostate cancers are very slow growing, uh, they're not doing digital exams as you age. Correct. Yes. So it doesn't mean that you're going to come in and get your, um, your annual physical and you're going to get a rectal exam. So it's going to be more symptomatic. And so after what age? Do... Right. Go ahead, Audrey. I was going to say, if you're displaying any of the symptoms that Dr. Solis had touched upon, that would definitely be an indicator that you should be getting a digital rectal exam. Correct. And I had mentioned earlier uh, that women play an important role in getting men to the doctor. That, that's my experience. Uh, I'm one of the few at the drop of a dime goes to a doctor, but many men don't. So Dr. Baria, how do you get the women involved in helping to get uh, their significant other in? You know, one of the strategies that I've used with my female patients, because I, in my practice, have a lot of couples. Um, and if the wife is coming in for her appointment, I try to get the husband to schedule his appointment before or after her so that they can come together and she could be there as a support system. And um, they usually, if the husband is not already my patient, when he's come with his wife, realizes that I'm not so scary. I might sound scary on the phone or something, but I'm not really scary in person. And so once they're comfortable, it's a lot easier. So you've already got that relationship just by them being the support system for their wife. Especially if something's wrong, they're there together and it's better 
to explain it to two people because usually when you're trying to explain something to the patient, they might tune out. If you say the word cancer, they're not hearing anything after that. Because it's always good to have that support system. With them. And, and Dr. Solis, how widespread is uh, BPH? Is it something that uh, almost every guy over 50 ought to think about? Right. So it's something that every uh, male should think about. It's um, not widespread. It is, um, just to touch on the importance of it, it's one of the top three cancers in men, you know, and that comes with lung cancer and colorectal cancer. So the screenings, going to your primary doctor, um, expressing um, your symptoms, because um, like, like we were trying to touch upon, males usually always tell you that they're fine. And that's usually my experience. You always have to um, like bring it out. You got to ask questions. Don't um, don't let them tell you. Always ask. Hey, are you? Um, how many times are you waking up at night? Are you ha- are you um, going to the bathroom? Okay. Are you urinating? Okay. Do you feel like you're always going to the bathroom? You have to kind of like take it out of the men, and that's been my history. Unless it's something that's uh, really bothering them, and they're coming in and and expressing their their symptoms. But yeah, it's something that you should definitely keep on the top of your list as far as males, elderly males, because it is one of the top three cancers that, you know, if you catch it on time, you can treat it and, you know, you're, you're going to do well. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria. We're talking on our two docs in a pod hotline down to a little Havana, Florida with Dr. Francisco Solis. You're listening to Two Docs in a Pod. Hi, it's Drew Pearson for my friends at WellMed. As a Hall of Famer, I love it when a quarterback and receiver have a great connection. You can be part of a great connection too. Connecting WellMed's high-quality healthcare with the highest-rated Medicare Advantage plan helps you focus on staying healthy. Call 210-436-6005 or visit wellmedhealthcare.com slash connect. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesperson. Other plans are accepted. For full enrollment details, visit medicare.gov. Well, we thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Two Docs in a Pod. And we're talking on our Two Docs in a Pod hotline with Dr. Francisco Solis. He is a physician at Optum in Little Havana, benign prostatic hyperplasia in men. And before we get back to that, I was mentioning off the air, Dr. Solis, I, I saw a wonderful interview you did that uh, is running on uh, many a website across the country. Uh, and, and one of the questions they didn't ask you is a question I love getting an answer to. Okay. If you weren't a physician, what would you be doing? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't know what I would be doing, but I would be doing something fun, uh, something outdoors, maybe a fireman, maybe a police officer. I like to be hands-on. I like to be in the public. Uh, I like to be very physical. So anything out, uh, maybe EMS, who knows? I really don't know what I would do if I wasn't a, a doctor. So from early on, you thought about going to medical school? Well, not early on. I would say more at high school, uh, my last, my senior year in high school, I decided, well, my guidance counselor pretty much decided for me. She said, you need to do something. You need to go to school. You need to, you, you know, you have good grades. And I said, okay, what do you want me to do? She said, all right, first fill out these college papers. 
And then um, I was lucky that when I went to college, I went to Rutgers University. Um, they had a good pre-med program and they did a lot of summer activities. Um, so I joined that club and I think that, and I went from there. You know, it wasn't easy, but it, you know, it was a very tough uh, course, but I was able to make it. I didn't make it the first time. So I had to do a master's and then I got accepted luckily. And then, and now I'm here. That's cool. Rutgers now a member of the big 10. Yes. <laughs> so I appreciate Are hearing you? that. Let's yes. get back to BPH. Yes. Uh, you, you mentioned that uh, there's a, a, a prescription treatment. Uh, when, when is more needed beyond just drugs? Okay. As far as, okay. So when the usually what I do with my patients, I'll try a round of, uh, of medication. Uh, one of the ones that I use is Tamsulosin. So you want it, there's an array of medications you can use. That's one of my first line medications. And if I notice that your symptoms are not improving, I usually or I send you to the urologist because at that point, you know, you want to have a backup. You want to have the urologist attention. And in case anything needs to be done, um, they usually order a prostate ultrasound just to make sure everything's okay. And if needed, let's say you have an enlarged prostate and they want and they need to do a biopsy, they'll go ahead and do a biopsy. And then depending on the results, you know, further treatment if needed, or you can always add another medication to help the symptoms. As a squeamish guy, yes. uh, how do they go in there to do a biopsy? Okay, so that's a that's a good question. So there's only maybe one I don't way want to the answer. <laughs> yes, there is only one way to go in there. So it's the same way they they're going to get the the prostate ultrasound. So they go in rectally, um, and they also do ultrasound guided biopsies. So it's you're going to be asleep, so you're not going to feel it. I know it sounds worse than it really is, but cancer is also a bad thing to have. So you want to make sure that you, if you do have cancer, you get the proper treatment. So you get knocked out with propofol or something like that? Yeah, I don't know what they knock you out with, but they definitely uh, put you to sleep. And is that a procedure that you as a primary care physician would do or a urologist? Uh, that'll be a urologist. Yeah, that's why if... If I treat you and I notice that the symptoms are not improving, I always go uh, refer you to a urologist so you can be in better hands. And Dr. Barria, one of the things that I mentioned earlier that I have I've been told, having done a number of programs on this subject, is that most prostate cancers are very slow growing. Yes, most of them are. But then you will have your outliers, which are the very fast ones that you know you're not expecting. And so if you get diagnosed, it definitely behooves the patient to be seen by urology to get a treatment plan in place. Um, and mind you, I mean, you might decide that you want surveillance and you don't want anything invasive done. I have several patients that are, their treatment plan is surveillance because they don't even want the biopsies. So the urologists are following them with serial PSAs and digital rectal exams and trying to gauge their symptoms to see if they're worsening or not. So that's rolling the dice. Yes. But they're banking on the fact that this is such a slow growing cancer that something else is going to get them before the cancer does. Unless the cancer they have is fast growing. Fast. Right. Exactly. So Dr. Solis, walk us through what happens if indeed uh, you have surgery, you have to have your prostate removed. How does the that affect a quality of life? 
Okay, so most of the patients do very well uh, post-op. So quality of life is gonna improve. Uh, the idea is that if, if it's a successful surgery, um, you're gonna go back to normal. You're gonna have your, your symptoms are gonna improve, which is what started you know, this whole journey to begin with. And then you're cancer free. You're always gonna be monitored, of course, um, just because you remove your prostate doesn't mean it can grow back because sometimes, you know, you can have remnants. So basically the idea is if you do have the cancer, let's say you get treatment, you're, you're going to continue your lifestyle, you know, back to baseline. And, and what role does the prostate play in our lives? I mean, it's not like the appendix, which we don't need. Right. Yeah. So one of the, um, um side effects of getting your prostate removed. And what I've noticed in some of my patients would be now, instead of getting urinary retention, now you have urinary incontinence. So you have to be aware of uh, urinary incontinence. That means now you can't hold your urine because prostate, what the prostate does, it helps um, to, for you to help to hold the urine whenever you have to. It's, it's not a sphincter, but it does help because it, it's, it's above your ureter. So the prostate helps with that. So removing the prostate, sometimes you don't have that extra um, hold and you might have some urinary in incontinence. And what about sexual activity? I was just gonna ask oh, that. Okay, I'll Thanks, let Dr. Barry. I'll let out the balls in your court. <laughs> I was gonna say, I know that some of my patients don't feel comfortable because I'm a woman asking me about the erectile dysfunction that they experience. And so how can we address that with them after they've had a prostatectomy? Okay. So, yeah. So how did, so yeah, that is one of the uh, questions that I do get. What I also do at that point is I do testosterone levels. So um, testosterone replacement can help, you know, also um, if that's in normal range, we have the famous uh, penile pump that the that the urologist would also take care of. So and yeah. and it's a very popular among my patients. So that's also an option that uh, we give to the patients. And obviously, that has to be something that they discuss with the urologist. And how does that pump work? So the pump um, works is whenever you you want to have uh, sexual intercourse. Um, there's an actual pump in your testicles, which you pump and it um, erects your penis. And when you're done, you release it. So it, it's a manual device. Yes, it's a manual device. Interesting. And it has to be surgically implanted. In place, yes, per, surgically placed. It has to be what? Uh, surgically placed. So the urologist, it's actually a surgical procedure that you get. So folks, I'm sure ask about that when they come in and you, you tell them that, uh, here's what we need to do in terms of potential for surgery. Right. Yeah. So most of the patients do do have that. You don't have to have uh, prostate cancer to qualify. You know, erectile dysfunction is another topic that we can discuss in a, in another time. But yeah, that's something that I always have them uh, discuss with the urologist. Well, I'm assuming uh, because there's so much television advertising about erectile dysfunction that a lot of your patients present with that issue. Yes. So a lot of my patients do, especially um, here in Optum, we, and my patient population is more of an elderly population. So yes, it's uh, definitely uh, 
one of the things the men do ask for and and they do have they do have the erectile dysfunction and what i always do is i i recommend a urology referral and i have them discuss it with urology and this way there's a lot of other techniques out there also that can um, treat erectile dysfunction it doesn't have to be the pump pump is the most popular but i do have them you know speak to the urologist so they can have different options and some of that medication now of course is available over the counter do you find your patients self-medicating yes so that is one of the things uh viagra and cialis are the ones that you know our patients are usually asking for before they go to um surgical the surgical route and are those medications effective i would say yes because my patients are always asking for refills ah, so that would be a good <laughs> measure that they work so that is a good measure yes because usually you don't ask for a medication that doesn't work well we are flat out of time and, and you've been a great guest before we let you go uh for folks who want to google and get dr google to be their doctor aren't they better talking to their pcp yes always always talk to your PCP. If you want to use Dr. Google, because my patients do, bring those questions to your primary doctor, and I'm sure you're going to get a better answer than Dr. Google. I love it. Thank you, Dr. Francisco Solis. Appreciate it. Dr. Audrey Barrio, our co-host here on Two Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll catch you next time on Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. Executive producers for Two Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker, and associate producers are Natalie Ibarra and Maurice Hudson. Thank you for listening to Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Two Docs in a Pod with Dr. Audrey Barria and Ron Aaron.